Okay. Well, tonight we're going to read uh, certain scriptures, uh, certain scriptures that have been on my heart, and and for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I just believe that God so wants to build us up as his church, as his bride, as his body. He so wants to build us up and lift us up, even while we're here on the earth, up above everything that's going on here. And also, I want to be able to preach and teach these things because there is so much that God does desire to comfort us with through the scriptures that is being attacked unbelievably uh, there are those that, that will say and I just firmly believe that they are not studied I really believe it because of the preponderance of all the scriptures and the original languages and uh, they may even refer to so called scholars or theologians but when you take the preponderance of all the scriptures and you take the preponderance of all the original languages you just can't come up with anything else and not that I could go into it but the, in, in depth but I do want to go into it enough to comfort us because that's what God wants to do he wants to comfort his children those that are his with amazing, pure, beautiful truth. One of the things that's been, that's been attacked, and it's been attacked for hundreds and hundreds of years, but even renewed again, is there's going to be no rapture. When we talk about the rapture, Christ, when he first came in John 1, verse 14, the word of God became flesh and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory the glories of, of the only begotten son of God he was full of grace and truth he put on humanity Isaiah 9 verse 6 says for unto us and God speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given God becoming man and that is why in first timothy 2 verse 5 there is one mediator <laughs> there's we don't need another go between there's one mediator between god and men god and us it is the man christ jesus i've heard some when they refer to people that they really love their pastors and teachers they may call him the man they re may refer to him as the man listen the only place I ever saw that in the Bible is 1 Timothy 2, 5. It is the man, Christ Jesus. A little bit higher than just any old ordinary man, for sure. For sure. But he came, and what was known as the first advent, when he put on humanity and came. And by the way, when God... Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became man. He became a man forever. He's seated right now in Psalm 110, verse 1, and Acts 2, 34 and 35. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. God in humanity, Jesus Christ. He's seated in his humanity, yet he's God. 
and he represents all of us. That's the first, the first advent is when he came. Then, of course, he was crucified. And in John 19.30, he finished the work. And then he walked the earth. 500 saw him in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. And then in Acts 1.10 and 11, he went up. A cloud received him, and then he went back up with the Father. But he is coming back again. That's a promise. Now, but in between the first advent, when he put on his humanity, and the second advent, the second advent is his actual appearing when his feet in Zechariah 14, verse 4, actually land on the Mount of Olives, Olivet. That's when he actually comes back. The second advent is when all those nations have surrounded the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, the size of New Jersey, that's when we come back with him. We come back with him, it says. In Revelations 19, verse 11 to 16, we come right back with him to, with him to the second advent. And how could we be coming back with him if we hadn't gone first to meet him. And in between the first advent and the second advent is the rapture of the church. We are raptured and caught away. And God wants to comfort us with that truth. And the enemy doesn't want us. He wants us to think that you and I have to go through the tribulation. That's right that we have to go through that seven-year tribulation. The first three and a half years will be okay. The last three and a half, if you add up every war, every evil thing that ever happened in those last three and a half years will be the most unbelievable, terrible that's going on. And that is a fact. The fact is, though, that we do not go through the tribulation. There are particular... I'll say voices, even in this area, who will preach and teach that they are mid-tribulations, that we have to go partway through. It's crystal clear through the scriptures. God wants to comfort us. And he does. Because very soon, very soon, as we look at God's timepiece on the earth, the nation of Israel, we are a heavenly people. Look at the book of Ephesians. We are a heavenly people. Look through the Old Testament. Look through the synoptic gospels and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Look through them, and you will see that Israel is a earthly people. Earthly. We are a heavenly people. That's why we are caught up to meet him in the clouds of the air, and then we come back with him. To end the battle of Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo in the nation of Israel. It's a fact. And boy, I think it's, a, it's coming to high time that we really need to have literal classes on these things. Mm 
to get get truth in, in people's minds so that they can be comforted and not soon or easily shaken. But it's crystal clear. Everything about the tribulation has to do with Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. It has nothing to do with the church. Nothing. You don't hear a thing about the church until we get the Pauline epistles. And you will see in Ephesians, the third chapter, in the eighth verse, it's this mystery. Not as if, as if something just happened and God planned it. No, it was planned in ages past that at some point he would have a special people. They would be called the church, the body of Jesus Christ, his bride. And you don't see that anywhere in the Old Testament or the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Why am I saying all these things? Because God wants to comfort us with truth. That's what he wants to do. And we could get into this a lot deeper. And at some point through classes, if, if God has that, or through booklets, it's exactly what I believe that God wants us to do in these last days. There's also, and we won't get into it tonight, but there's also teaching. And, 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 and believe me, some of these are called so-called pastors that teach these things. Opposite of what the truth is through the word of God. And those that don't know any better submit to that kind of thing. And that's why they're so easily shaken. And it's why so many of God's own, through Jesus Christ, his very own bride, his very own church, are so easily shaken because the majority, a, a huge majority of believers, Christians, don't know who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them. They don't know it. So thereby, they can be shaken they can be tossed to and fro in Ephesians 4.14 with every wind of doctrine. And you know what wind, powerful wind can do to you? It can be very destructive, very destructive. But Jesus said the thief can't comes. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. He has delivered us from the wrath to come. That's what the tribulation period is dealing with. He has delivered us through Jesus Christ from the wrath to come. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, in verse 11, it says this, and we're going to read verse 11 through 18. This is what it says. And that you study. You study. And boy, how do we study? Listen, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. That means we submit under and receive the word of God. And then in John 8, verse 32, you will know the truth. You will experience the truth by submitting under and hearing the word through right preaching and teaching. And the truth will what? Set you free from all these destructive things, these destructive doctrines and teachings that aren't from Christ that come right down because Satan wants to move, disturb, trouble, and distress the church based upon lies or bad teaching or a lack of teaching. So, but he says, I want you to study, to be quiet. Yeah. 
Just be quiet. You know, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that he is God. Listen, Jesus Christ is God. You can be sure of it. And you and I are married to him. And we will not go through wrath. John 3, verse 36, we've been delivered out of it, out of death into life in John 5, verse 24. And in Colossians 3, verse 4, Christ is our life. Do you think if he is our life and we are one with him in John chapter 17, verse 11, 21, and 22, if we are one with him and he has already paid the price and finished the work, that somehow that he has to go through the tribulation and he's our very life and he finished the work and he's seated at the right hand. So that would mean that if that if we had to go through the tribulation because he's our very life, then he must go have to go through it again, too. Is that correct? Absolutely incorrect. We have to study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without. Oh, boy. Not only in our business and our work, should we, as best as we can, as God gives us opportunity, we should work. And if we can, at, at any point, we should help one another, especially first and foremost, the church. A local assembly should take care of their members first and foremost before missions or before any other thing. That's crystal, 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 crystal clear in the word of God. Very clear. I wish I could go into it tonight, but we won't. Do we love missions and do we believe in it? Absolutely do. Absolutely do. But we're to do our own business and to work with it. Why? Because we are to walk honestly. In other words, we're not deceived. We know the truth. And the truth that sets us free, God has given us to be able to communicate, to be his ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, to be his very ambassadors, having this ministry that he's given us. By the way, the moment you and I get saved and when we receive right preaching and teaching, did you know we have a ministry of reconciliation that God's made available to every person? It's incredible. You, have to, you can go up to someone and tell them, listen, you can be reconciled. Here's how. You can be reconciled. Here's how. And we don't have to worry about the results. God gives us opportunity without legalism, without being it shoved down your throat, but just very quietly, as it says, and led by the Holy Spirit, that we can walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. Of course, that's in a physical, material sense, but oh, how much more in the spiritual sense. Now look at verse 13. And by the way, when Paul wrote these, this is the first epistle that Paul wrote. And the languages here, the moods, the tenses, and the cases in the original language, Paul is literally thinking and believing that Christ is coming back in his time. That's why he could even say in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, and he said that how, how long ago? The time is short. The time is short. 
Well, this is what he said. And he was teaching these newborn believers. They're babes in Christ. And he's teaching them about the rapture. He didn't have to wait till they grew up real strong to teach them truth in the word of God. They're very young babes. And this is what he said. But I, in the midst of all of this, started to be quiet, receive the word so that you can walk honestly in your own life in purity. In Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. We, in Acts 15, verse 9, we have our hearts purified by faith, by absolute dependence upon Jesus Christ. And by the way, he's the one that does the works through us. In Ephesians 2.10, they were foreordained in Christ for us to simply walk in. How hard is that? It's not. There's no legalism. There's no do's or don'ts. There's just receiving an unbelievable beautiful fountain of life and seeing light in his light in Psalm 36, verse 9. But he said, I would not have you to be ignorant or without knowledge. Oh boy, so many are walking around today as his very own. And it's not a question of whether God loves them or they love God. There's multitudes of them, but they don't know. They're ignorant. That's what it means to be ignorant. They just don't know. But Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Those that have gone on to be with Christ. Listen, Christ, for the believer, is the only one who died. That's right. Their physical bodies, literally, are sleeping. While their spirit and soul instantly, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, absent from the body, prison with the Lord. Blink your eyes. That's what it says. Powell Laboratories, GE Laboratories say, you blink your eyes. It's 11 one-hundredths of a second. <laughs> absent from the body, prison with the Lord. Physical body, back to the dust in Genesis 3, verse 19, waiting to be given back, and we'll see just what happens. So they sleep. It's not even like they die. It's not even those that have gone on. They, their bodies sleep, but their soul, their spirit and soul is instantly with the Lord in 11 hundredths of a second, if we could even say that. You talk about some speed. But I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. It's good, isn't it comforting? We can sorrow some. And God only knows what for each one of us how much we need for those that are our loved ones when they go. And only God knows. And there's no prescription or no set time for people. God knows our capacity. In Psalm 103, verse 14, he knows our frame. He knows that we're but dust. He knows what we can bear and how long. And he bears with us, by the way. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He goes through every single thing with us. And even if our feelings tell us it's not true, we know he said it. His word said it. That should settle it for us. But that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. No hope. Why? 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. And to sleep in Jesus simply means this. Those that have already died before the rapture, that when their bodies went into the ground, right? Genesis 2, 7, Christ in his pre-incarnate state created us, Adam, from the dust of the ground. And dust we were created and dust we were returned in Genesis 3, verse 19. We go back, but that body sleeps just waiting. Oh boy, for a brand new body. But their spirit and soul is instantly with Christ. Instantaneously. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe that? Oh boy. <laughs> Can you imagine? You read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 20, especially verses 18 and 19. Let me tell you. Can you imagine if there was no resurrection? Where, what happens to us? Where's our faith? It was better that we didn't believe. <laughs> but we do believe because Jesus did rise from the dead. You read Matthew 28, 1 to 6. Jeez, you, you, so many scriptures. Really? It is written. It's written. How else are we to know? How else should we know? Listen, if we, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So, oh boy. Well, listen. For since we believe that Jesus has died and has risen again, so also God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in death through Jesus. Oh, yeah. What, what died? What is death? Its basic meaning, death means separation. Remember what he said in Genesis 2.17? Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in eating it you will die. Really, the death of deaths, meaning spiritually when you sin, spiritually you are separated from God. You're living in spiritual death. And because of spiritual death, your physical body now dies. But for us, the physical body dies and goes into the ground. But the spirit and soul, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, return to God who gave it. Oh boy, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And we don't have to sorrow like those that are ignorant and don't have any hope. There's so much in this Bible for you and I to hope and rest in. Hebrews 11, 1 uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. You know what that verse is teaching? It's not teaching that we don't believe in things that we're not even, we don't even know yet, but we just believe God. It's saying this, that faith, the word faith, pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, simply means it's the leaning of the entire self on Jesus Christ and his word. It's complete and absolute reliance on him. Why? Because faith is the substantiation. It's the title deed. It's the proof of ownership. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, guaranteed, not I hope so. Right? Faith is amazing. 
is a substantiation of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. It means the evidence is not seen to the natural man, but we have the most incredible certain facts and evidence through the word of God that we can rest in. Because that's what faith does in Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. It rests in Jesus. It rests. So, God will bring them with him. Verse 15, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not what some little old theologians will say. Some so-called scholars will say, and we won't get into it tonight, but again, there's universalists. It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching and teaching tonight, but let me tell you. There are those that are pastors, men of God, that I know personally, who are now universalists. A universalist believes this. Sooner or later, everybody gets out of hell. There's no eternal punishment. Yeah. They graduated. Some of these guys I know graduated. Now there is no hell. <laughs> None. He's a God of love. There's no hell. Oh, boy. No hell. I said to my, my friend Bruce today, I guess, well, that guy's saying to hell with hell. <laughs> to hell with that idea about hell. Really. Where'd you ever get that word? <laughs> oh, boy. It's sad. It really is. It's one thing for them to believe those things, be deceived by them, and being deceived, they're deceived deceivers if they open their mouth. Matthew 15, verse 14, when the blind leads the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Whew. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent them which are asleep. Prevent. All this is not very good because that meant something in 1611, but it doesn't mean the same now. And well over 300 something, almost 400 years later, probably. Yeah. Prevent. They're not going to miss out. And neither are you. Paul's telling them, listen, you're not going to miss out on this. And neither are they. Why? Because in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Oh, boy. With a shout, right? Remember what we said in verse 14? What does it say? Them which also sleep in Jesus. That's where you get all this false teaching, by the way of soul sleep, Seventh-day Adventisms, and so forth. Not true. And there are ministries right around yonder that'll teach that. They do teach it. That's right. The soul sleeps. No. 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 The soul does not sleep. And if I had the chance, and I won't, I could give you a few scriptures on it too. Well, listen. This is what it says. We, they won't miss out, those that have already gone with them, and you folks won't either. Don't think that. Why? Because the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, oh boy, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What's that mean? What's that teaching? Those that are in spirit and soul with Jesus Christ in heaven when he comes, their bodies that were in the grave are now revived. They get their brand new bodies. 
And those are the ones that are going to rise first, the physical body. But in the blink of an eye, look what it says. Then we, which are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Listen, in the air, in the heavenlies. Not just the earth's atmosphere, by the way. The original languages clearly bring it out. Bring it clearly out. And what I'm teaching you, please know that Paul taught born again, first born again, babes in Christ. It's God is, I'm telling you, that's what he did. And sometimes we have to put our thinking caps on and it's good to do it. It's good because it's truth. And when we can process it, think it through, let the Holy Spirit take and bring back to our remembrance the things that we're taught, we come through and boy, when you know the truth, you know it. The truth will set you free. And by the way, that's who Jesus Christ is. He's the truth in John 14, verse 6. And in John 1, verse 14, he's the truth. And when you get to know who you are in him and who he is in you, it sets you free. We're not going through the rapture. We're not going midway through. We're not going new post-posties all the way through. We're not doing it. We're out. And some say, well, that's not what Revelations 3.10 teaches Really? Well, why is the Greek word ek, out? Look at it every place, out, out, out. Not dia, the Greek word, through, D-I-A, not through, ek, out. God wants to comfort us with these things. He wants to make, listen, he wants to make us bold and not be tossed to and fro by so-called so-calls, <laughs> deceived deceivers. Oh, the word is crystal clear. And God really wants us to be comforted. Mm -hmm. Did I say that already? Listen. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. He's telling them, don't worry. If you didn't go, if they didn't go in the rapture, they're not missing out. You're concerned about all your love, and they're going to miss out on this great event. And I don't want you to think you are, because we're all going to meet. And they that come with him in an instant, they get their brand new bodies reunited. And then as we meet them, come up to meet them, almost in the same split second, we have our brand new glorified bodies, and we meet each other. We don't miss a thing. This all happens before the second advent. This happens long before Zechariah 14, verse 4. Revelations 19, 11 to 16 happens way before then. We need to have some classes on these things. To meet the Lord in the air, not the earth, and it's brought out in the original, believe me, not the earth's atmosphere, somewhere in the stellar heavens. We meet him. Why? Because we are a heavenly people, not an earthly people. Israel, the nation, will be, yes. Millennial reign, yes. But we will, while they are serving Christ, their Messiah, on the earth for a thousand years, in Revelation 20, verse 4, we will be ruling and reigning with him for that thousand years. Kind of like it. 
But it all has its perfect place in the scriptures. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, especially to pastors, from an apostle to a young pastor, study to show yourself approved of God. In other words, you pass the test. You've studied. You know how to think with God. And doing so by yourself, you know how to teach the truth to others. Study. To show yourself approved of God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing it. So, will we ever be with the Lord? Very soon, hey, all your loved ones that are there and all those that are born again here, we're all going to meet them in the air soon. So, will we be with the Lord forever? Oh, Look at verse 18. Wherefore, exhort, comfort one another with these words. Yeah, with these very words. Some will say, oh, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Okay, well, really? Really? Well, how about 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52? How about Revelations 4, verse 1? Revelations 3, verse 10? These are all verses. When you correlate them and read them and take them in, the Holy Spirit will really teach you amazing things. And it's just like taking a college course. I mean, you know, you go into college and you might be hearing things you've never heard before, but you know what? You take it down, you study it, and then you learn. And boy, oh, the freedom that you have through the scriptures, really, through the word of God through Jesus Christ. It's really incredible. And then finally, we'll close with this. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 and 2 and 3, say this. Now we beseech you, brethren, all you that are born again, watch what it says, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that second advent? No, it's not. Why? And by our gathering together unto him. Oh, does the Bible teach that we gather together him after the tribulation period? Well, didn't it just say we come back with him? Aren't we riding on those white horses with him? So if we gather together with him, and by the way, these are the, let me see, oh, what are they called? Oh, these are the church epistles. Do these have to do with the nation of Israel? No. Do they have to, with in this dispensation of grace, this church age, is there Jew or Gentile, or is the, or is the middle wall broken down in Ephesians 2, 14 and 15, and we're all one in Christ, neither Jew nor Gentile? That's the body. That's the bride. That's the church. Has nothing to do with the nation of Israel. Millennial reign has nothing to do with it. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Look what it says. That you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, right? Neither by spirit in your human spirit or receiving the doctrines of every wind of doctrine in Ephesians 4, 14. 
being troubled by the prince and power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, 2, the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Oh, and by the way, he, Satan, who is an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, has his ministers in the 15th verse. He loves to shake and trouble those that are his with truth, so-called truth, that isn't truth. I don't want you to be soon shaken in mind or troubled by spirit, nor by word, watch, nor by letter as from us. You know what happened, what, what was happening in Paul's day when he was teaching about the rapture? There were those deceivers in his time that were going around teaching Christians and telling them this stuff. Oh, and by the way, we have this letter that you never heard of from the Apostle Paul. And this is really what he was teaching. We have what he was teaching. And it's all recorded here. And it's not hidden. It isn't hidden. It's right here. But that was going on even in his day. As the day of Christ... Okay, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. In other words, and again, that's wrong. The day of Christ is present. Listen, listen. In the whole, all of the Old Testament, we're going to close soon, but in the Old Testament, it is always called, you look at it, all through it, it's called the day of the Lord. Listen, the day of the Lord has to do with judgment to all those that have not received Christ. It's the day of the Lord. It's judgment. But when we talk about the day of Christ, that's when he comes back and that's when he, he, we rule and reign with him. But the day of judgment, okay, and the, the Lord of judgment is the, he's the lamb for us that delivered us from the wrath to come and judgment, having taken all that on himself on Calvary. He's the one that in the sixth chapter of Revelations and in the first few verses there, one, two, and three, is now the lion in terms of judgment. That's the day of the Lord. But for us, it's the day of Christ. The day of Christ is present. In other words, and that's what the original language is saying. It's not at hand. As if it's going to, this is all happening now. Okay? It's present. And present simply means that I can say, well, the guy's going to be here presently. Is he there right then? No, but he's on his way. That's what it's teaching the day of Christ, in terms of even judgment, the second advent, is on its way. It just so happens that you and I are not going to be going through that period because of all the correlation of the scriptures. That's why he said this in verse 3. This is how you can tell. Let no man deceive you by any means. Paul's telling you, listen, I am telling you. And I am teaching you, you are not going through the tribulation. It is not for the church. <laughs> Any more than Jesus Christ, who is our life, need to go through the tribulation. Period. Do we? 
because he's our life. And we meet him in the clouds of the air. Judgment takes place on the earth. He is coming to deliver as their Messiah, with us coming back, married to him, but as their Messiah to deliver them from their enemies and pour out his wrath on their enemies to save true Israel. That begins right after the Battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo, again, in Revelations, the 19th chapter. Then we get into the 20th. After that battle is ended, now begins millennial reign. Satan is bound. 20 verse 3, it says he shut up. Yay. Put in a pit, in the bottomless pit. He ain't getting out for a thousand years where Jesus is ruling and reigning on earth. And just so happens, you know, the new Jerusalem in 21, verse 1 of Revelations is suspended just above the earth and adorned like a bride coming down out of heaven. Who's the bride? We rule and reign with him. Boy. We really need to get over the, get, get, get really understanding on these things because listen, God wants to comfort us with this, with this truth. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day, that day, when it's there, the day of the, the day of the Lord, for that day will not come except to come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, you know, the false Christ. It is the Antichrist. You think we're going to be around when he's there? No. That happens during tribulation, where they're deceived. And for the first three and a half years, after we're caught up, and we are in heaven, right? We are heaven, the marriage supper in Revelations 19, verse 7, the marriage of the Lamb in verse 9. We have a supper and then it's a marriage because we're married and there's a celebration. And while that seven-year period is going on, that's what we're doing in heaven. We're feasting. He's serving us. (laughs) That's what's going on. And it's crystal clear in the Scriptures. Crystal clear. And I could bring out volumes, volumes on these things. But suffice it to say that while that's going on, now that's the tribulation. And the first three and a half years are like rosy and so nice because they are deceived by this Antichrist who promises them so much. And then the last three and a half, look out. Then you get into Revelations, the 13th chapter, and boy, oh boy, all hell's breaking loose. Those are going to be the 21 judgments in Revelations, the 6th chapter through the 18th chapter. But that 6 through 18 is not for the church. That's how you, in a nutshell, that's how you understand the book of Revelations. 6 to 18 has nothing to do with the church. It's the 21 judgments for those that dwell on the earth in Revelations 12, verse 12. The only reason, listen, we have to be able through the Holy Spirit, and he will correlate these things in our minds so we can understand them, so we can follow them through. Because believe me, if I can, 
guarantee you, so can you. It's the truth. You know why? Because it's all of ours, and it's to comfort us. And if it takes a little studying and a little brain pressure, I'm trying to think things, it's worth being comforted and living in the truth and experiencing that freedom, and then God can use you as an ambassador if he gives you the opportunity to set others free. I love it. But the reality is this, that you can know that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. See, Satan has entered him. This man. I'm sure he's handsome. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Our Savior, there was no beauty in Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. There's no beauty that we should desire him. This guy's going to be handsome. He's going to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's going to have them all. But Satan inhabits him. And we're not there for that. We're not there. First John 2, verse 18, even now, John the Apostle said, there are many antichrists. Knowing that the antichrist will come. There are many of those antichrists like him in a succession all the way through until the Antichrist comes. And then Satan inhabits him. And he's so nice. Oh, he's so nice. Yeah. Just like a lot of that teaching that he has. Remember, he's an angel of light. Remember, he had the desire in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15 to be like the Most High. And that's why he's called in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, an angel of light. And that's why Jesus said, if your eye be single, right? In, John, uh, in Matthew 6, 22, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then in the 23rd verse, he said, if the darkness, if the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Oh, he's a deceiver. He wants to be like the Most High. That's why it says, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you, no, you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. You know what? And the Holy Spirit gave these things to Paul a long time ago to teach to newborn babes. Because at that time, there was a lot of this stuff coming around to affect them as newborn Christians. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want them to be affected by a lie. So he taught the truth and to comfort them. That's what truth does to us, doesn't it? Yes. Does Christ comfort us? Mm -hmm. Is he full of grace and truth? I mean, is he the fullness of grace and truth? Is he the way, the truth, and the life? It's comforting to know these things. It's very comforting. And God wants to comfort us. What do we have to look forward to? Incredible. Christ in us, in Colossians 1.27, the hope, the guarantee of glory. And that's why Paul said in Colossians 1.20, that's why we teach and warn every man because what is his heart? And what is a true little under-shepherd's heart? To present every person complete, perfect in Jesus Christ. Knowing how to think just like him. So, Father, we thank you for these words tonight. 
And only the Holy Spirit can take the things of Christ and make us understand what they are. But we've got to start at some point. And God so wants to comfort his people by the truth. And when you know the truth, who Jesus is, who you are in him, who he is and what he's accomplished on our behalf, the truth will set you and I free. And for freedom's sake, in Galatians 5.1, Christ set us free, so be free in your freedom. And in our freedom, Christ is able to flow to us, through us, freely to others. In Jesus' name, amen.